0: Okay. Hey Joey. I was thinking, should we continue cup for time through our Advent series? We've got great questions. And of course we should continue. Let's do it. Yeah. So um why don't you give us a summary from your sermon on Sunday, which was the first uh sermon in our Advent series?
1: Yeah, yeah. So for Advent this year, the the sort of run up to Christmas and then Epiphany, we are uh spending the four weeks, the four Sundays in John one through It's 15, 18, you know, the the prologue right before we really get into the story uh, of Jesus. And um, this first Sunday, we were just trying to to settle into those first five verses and get a picture of the one that John is introducing us to. He's trying to get us to anticipate the coming of Jesus as, you know, as his story of Jesus begins. And so we're like, well, this is a great place for us to anticipate the coming of Jesus as a baby in the manger at Christmas and as a coming king you know, in in coming in the future, which Mm -hmm. is really, you know, if you think about the Christian calendar, we talked about that a little bit, like Christmas is when Jesus comes as a baby and Epiphany, which is like 12 days later is when we celebrate him as coming as a King. So, you know, we're right in that season of anticipation uh, of Advent. So we were looking at John 1, 1 through 5 and focusing in on the word. That's the imagery that John uses in those first couple of verses to introduce us to this, this person, who is the word? What do we know about the word and How does uh, how does that sort of wet our appetite for the one who is coming?
0: Okay, thank you. Um, So when I was in Catholic school, this was the only Bible verse I was ever asked to memorize as a part of school. Oh, really? John 1-1? I think one through something. I don't know. I don't know like how far it went because clearly it stuck, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think
1: we should put you to the test. Go. John (laughs) John 1-1. Just let's just see how far you can go. (laughs)
0: no thank you (laughs) um I just know I think it was maybe my freshman or sophomore year of high school so um why do you think that this was like the one verse that I would have been asked to memorize why Mm -hmm. like is this the best possible verse because honestly it just felt like a bunch of like words because it's like
1: not very concrete you know It feels kind of esoteric. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like every, the verse, every evangelical kid memorizes is John three 16. Right. Um, which is salvation focused. Uh, I've never thought about it in terms of Catholicism, but memorizing John one, one is very, who is God focused, who is God and who is Jesus. Um, there is a, we only had, you know, a few minutes to unpack some of it, but there is a ton in just verse one that, really so we get a picture of this eternally existing word who is self-existent and has existed for all of eternity with god so the word and god aren't equivalent but they share the same essence because the word is god it it, you can say the word is god but you can't say god is the word because god is more than the word there's more to god than the word and yet the word is fully god always existing an agent in creation. I mean, there's so much in it and it is a very tightly constructed uh, Greek couple of sentences where even, you know, adding an article like a the or an uh, and moving words around would really change the meaning. So it is a very, it's very elevated prose. A lot of people say it's not quite poetry, uh, but it is prose of another level that reveals so much about who God is and who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you could do worse uh, to, you know, there. you could do worse in terms of verses to focus on.
0: Yeah, no, of course. It's not like anything would be bad. I just think I'm like, wow, why would we, why did we choose this one of all verses? It felt like, of course, it was just memorization. I didn't even understand what I was actually having to recite in front of class. But anyways, all right, so Joey, Um, We've got two questions to have you run through today. and um, These are
1: questions that people sent into us, which is awesome. Thank you.
0: Yes, we love it. Okay, Joey, you mentioned darkness in your sermon. Let's talk about the word darkness. Mm -hmm. There's um, like physical darkness, metaphorical darkness, spiritual darkness. How do all those kind of work together?
1: Yeah, yeah. We got a great question there about, you know, what is metaphorical darkness versus scientific darkness and all that. And so... Um, <clears throat> where I was uh, kind of starting and talking about darkness was beginning to talk about it from kind of our, our modern perspective, uh, or a modern scientific perspective that, uh, darkness is simply the absence of light. So darkness isn't in the physical world, the scientific world, darkness is not a thing. Now, is there maybe a, um, like, is maybe darkness a thing that we just haven't grasped yet? Uh, It it does bring to that. That was a question that was asked and it does sort of that we haven't grasped from a scientific perspective yet. It it brings to mind um, some articles I remember reading a long time ago, probably high school about dark matter, dark energy. I'm not an astrophysicist, um, so I I can't speak to the uh, the uh, scientific um, accuracy of of any of that. I don't even know if that's considered even relevant theory anymore. Um, So at least from a we'll, we'll say a plain common sense perspective on physical light and darkness um darkness is not a thing and this is a, this is an important insight because this particular insight maps on to uh, some of the ways that we think about the spiritual world as well that um evil is not a thing. It is the absence of a thing. It is the absence of good. So uh, if we're talking really specifically theologically about the nature of evil, you know, we, we would map this it's somewhat analogously to say like evil is because people will say, well, if God is all powerful, then why can't he do evil? Why can't he do wrong? Why can't he sin? It's Because sin isn't a power. It's not a thing. It's not something you, can do in that sense it, sin is the lack of good and because God is all good he cannot lack good therefore he cannot sin commit acts of evil things like that mm-hmm. um however so that th- this is when we're talking kind of at a logical theoretical not theoretical theological level about the nature of things But when we speak about those things, especially using metaphorical language, because light and darkness shows up in almost every religion, uses the metaphors of light and darkness to try to talk about good and evil. And even though we can say we know from a common sense perspective, like, hey, darkness isn't a thing, it's just the absence of light, um, we're still afraid of the dark. You know, we're still afraid of darkness as if it is an actual thing that carries with it a foreboding sense of chaos or potential for evil or at least a realm of sort of non-order where where things aren't ordered the way you want them to be. You know, you can't tell where you are when you're walking around a house in the dark. You can't Mm -hmm. grasp the order because you don't have any light to see it, to see that order by. Uh, And so darkness, light, chaos, non-order, this is all part of um, the way that Jewish people have thought about the world since the very beginning. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void. You know, it was without form and without shape. It was empty and without shape. And the spirit hovered over the, you know, darkness was on the face of the deep and spirit hovered over the waters and all that darkness and waters. These are our symbolic ways of talking about realms of chaos and realms of non-order where things aren't organized towards a purpose or anything. So we got to track some of that understanding forward into Jesus's day, because this is the way that uh, Jewish people leading up up through the ancient Near East and into uh, the, the um, you know, Jesus's time thought about concepts like darkness as, okay. They're not thinking about it in terms of darkness as the absence of light. They're thinking about darkness as sort of the embodiment of a state of, at the very least, a state of non-order uh, where things just don't make sense. Um, at, at its worst, it's, it's a, an actual chaotic, like e- presence or realm of evil. So when John speaks about darkness, he talks about darkness um, as in metaphorical ways as a force, a force of evil, or a at least a force of chaos or non-order. Uh, and so picturing light versus darkness isn't, John's not trying to make a scientific claim. You know, he's not trying to say that there is, you know, there's, dark matter and bright matter or whatever and that they're warring against each other or that light physically pushes away darkness. Um, he's not making a scientific claim. he's using the imagery and the sort of inborn sense of fear of darkness that we all carry to make the the theological point that the forces of evil the or the forces of chaos, the forces of non-order uh, push against the light of Christ but cannot overcome it. And, and part of the way, you know, we, part of the reason, you know, I, I, I go this direction in interpretation, and I didn't really talk about this too much in the sermon is that that word overcame is a double-edged word. It means, um, I think in the old King James, it would say apprehend, couldn't apprehend it. Mm-hmm. It, it has the imagery of um, wrapping yourself around a thing and that means either intellectually, you can wrap your mind around it. So you would translate it, understand the darkness. Couldn't understand the light or physically to wrap your arms around a thing to overpower it and overcome it. Mm-hmm. So then you would translate it. The darkness couldn't conquer the light. Um, it's, it's the same, you know, we would maybe the word apprehend in English would help you hold both of those. Cause you can apprehend yeah. something with your mind. You can apprehend something with your arms. Um, So uh, that's what's in what John is saying about darkness. So he's he's not trying to make a scientific claim, um, but he is using our inborn sense of fear of darkness uh, as a way of speaking metaphorically about the powers of evil. Um, So the power of Satan, the power of the accuser, the tempter, and the powers of evil in the world fighting back against uh, the light of Christ.
0: Okay, thanks, Joey.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a fun question.
0: All right. So, um, we're in a new season in the Christian calendar and yes. somebody was asking us, um, that when they searched for Christian calendar, the answer that they got was that the, uh, Gregorian calendar is the same thing as the Christian calendar. Is there some calendar that we, that this person's unaware of, um, that has Christmas as the beginning of a new year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's a great question. So, um, I, I usually try to make it a point at the beginning of Advent every year, if I've got a speaking role anywhere on that first Sunday, of just saying Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the Christian, and I wasn't very clear this year, I made a side comment. Um, hey, the Christian year's, you know, New Year is this Sunday. In the worship calendar, the New Year is this Sunday. It was this last Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent. Um, so yeah, we use, most Christians use the Gregorian calendar or whatever. Actually, if you want to read something fascinating about calendars, uh, read the book, uh, humble pie when math goes wrong in the real world about the complexity of keeping calendars and all that is absolutely fascinating. Anyway, um, you can hear about how the Russians one year missed the Olympics by 28 days. Cause they were on the wrong calendar, mm. uh, than the rest of the world. It was awesome. Anyway, um, The worship calendar starts the first Sunday of Advent. So you grew up Catholic. You've probably heard of the lectionary. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the lectionary isn't a Catholic invention. It's been around since the fourth century. And the lectionary was a tool created by uh, Christian teachers to say, here is a way for you to go through the entire Bible story in a year. And it's now on a three-year cycle where you go through the whole story three different ways over the course of three years. And you start the lectionary cycle on the first Sunday of Advent. So that's the the new year that I'm referring to when I talk about, hey, Advent is the first Sunday of the new Christian year. I'm talking about the the ancient tool of walking your way through Scripture, through the whole story of Scripture uh, on a yearly basis, not reading every single passage. Um, but reading the, the you know the main sort of the anchor stories of the the whole the whole Bible, uh, and that always begins for Sunday of Advent. So happy New Year!
0: Okay, thanks, Joey. Um, and you know, just for this new year, new practice, you could sign up for our Advent devotional if people haven't yeah. done that already. You just text Advent to our Faith Church number. And earlier you mentioned Epiphany, and I just want to mention that. It actually will, it will go through Christmas day and then people will get a bonus epiphany text on January just for fun.
1: So we should, yeah, we should let people know epiphany is, uh, the day that we celebrate the, uh, the coming of the wise men to visit Jesus. It didn't happen 12 days after his birth. It was a year or two years later or something like that. But in the cycle of going through the story every year, Um, You know, we have Advent, which is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Uh, Christmas is the first day of Christmas tide or the Christmas season, the 12 days of Christmas, traditionally. Uh, And at the end of the 12 days of Christmas, we have Epiphany. Epiphany means revealing. And so it's the day that you celebrate the revealing of Jesus to the Gentiles. Uh, So it's a way of of reminding ourselves Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. Uh, He came for the whole world and he was revealed as king you know, as a two-year-old, he was revealed as the king to the wise rulers of the Gentiles.
0: Yeah. Do you guys do anything as a family for celebrating Epiphany? Because I know some families have some tradition around it. And it seems like, is it a day that we should actually put more effort into observing or celebrating?
1: Yeah. You know, we, we don't, um, it's January 6th every year. Um, we, that day maybe is a little overshadowed now in, uh, American history, but, um, we have not uh, really done anything on uh, Epiphany, though I think it would be fun to celebrate the uh, the 12 days of Christmas. Um, historically, the church has not sung any Christmas songs until Christmas. That Advent has entirely been reserved for songs about the coming king. So it would be like we, we want the king to return those uh, those songs. And then for 12 days at Christmas, you sing all the Christmas carols and stuff. But, you know, we're so used to starting Christmas the day after Thanksgiving and shutting it down, you know, the day after Christmas uh, that we forget, like, no, we're, we're celebrating the baby until Epiphany. And then, you know, we're celebrating the king. He's yeah. come. So it's yeah. like you, you spend four weeks anticipating a king and then you celebrate a baby and then realize he's the king.
0: Um, What would it take to get Jenna to keep up your Christmas decorations to Epiphany?
1: Oh, man, it's hard enough to get her to not put them up until after Thanksgiving. So and then and by the time the day after Christmas, even Christmas Day rolls around we're like, all right, cats have been destroying this tree for four weeks. we got to get rid of it. Let's put it all away. Let's get the house back the way it was. (laughs) All of that.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for your time this morning.
1: Yeah, this was fun. These were great questions. So keep them coming. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. And uh, Pastor Tom is up this Sunday. Um, You know, this, this passage has four big pictures, the word, the light, the flesh and the glory. And so he's going to talk through uh, the light and the light of life uh, on the Sunday.
0: Okay, awesome. Thanks, Joey.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.